Hi everyone and welcome to this special edition of MHTV. Uh, I'm Dave Monday, Lead Professional Officer with Unite Union in the Health Sector and I'm joined today by a fellow, more regular presenter for MHTV, Nikki Lambert. Uh, Nikki, before we introduce today's guest, can I come over to you so you can introduce yourself and tell people how they can be involved in today's episode? And for anyone who hasn't seen uh, it before, this is episode number 43. So over to you, Nikki. 43 already. Shocking. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today, everybody. We'd really love to hear your sort of thoughts, any questions that you've got for this fantastic panel. Uh, if you're joining us on Facebook Live, please just put your comments in. I'm monitoring that as we go. And if you're catching up or looking at this on Twitter, um, if you follow the hashtag MHTV, I'll pick up any questions or, or queries that you've got there. Thanks very much. Cheers, Dave. Thanks, Nikki. Uh, so we're joined by a stellar lineup of guests today to talk about what I think is a really important subject, uh, the COVID-19 vaccination and severe mental illness. Uh, I'm going to go in alphabetical order and give each person a quick chance to introduce themselves. So Emma, you're first. Emma Bailey. Um, so I work at the Centre for Mental Health and I project manage Equally Well UK, which is a campaign um, basically with a growing membership working on the physical health of people with a severe mental illness to help close that early mortality gap. Brilliant. Thanks, Emma. And Ethel Changa. Hi everyone, I'm so pleased to be here. My name is Ethel Changa. I work as a clinical nurse advisor on the COVID vaccination program and um, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks Ethel. Uh, Marsha McAdam. Um, Marsha McAdam, I'm a member or a lived experience um, member of Equally Well and a mental and physical health advocate. Brilliant. Uh, and uh, Dr. Shoni McKinnon. Hi everyone, uh, thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. I'm Shona, I'm a National Medical Director's Clinical Fellow and I've been working as part of the National COVID-19 Vaccination Programme over the past four months. Brilliant. We were also hoping to be joined by Nikita, who is someone else with a uh, lived experience and expert by experience, uh, but she's not joined the Zoom yet. I'm going to try and keep my eye on my computer. Oh, I think she may be joining now. Uh, so we'll hopefully draw her into the conversation in a second. Uh, let's see. Hi, is that Nikita? Hello? <laughs> I guess just as we are getting Nikita on board, it might be useful for us just to establish, you know, what, what a vaccine is. Is it possible to do that? Yeah, so, uh, so let me start again, sorry. Uh, so on the 8th of December last year, uh, Maggie Keenan was the first person in the world to be given a COVID-19 vaccination outside of a clinical trial. And since then, as of Tuesday, uh, the 23rd of March, 28.3 million people have received their first doses. And of these, 2.3 million have received a second dose. So today, though, we wanted to focus on the COVID-19 vaccination and those people with a severe mental illness. But just before we do that, I wanted to ask either Shona or Ethel, uh, what, is, what is a vaccination and how does it work? Yeah, thanks very much, David. Uh, I'll pick up that question and Shona can expand on it um, if need. But um, in a nutshell, um, so a vaccine is a type of medicine that trains the body's immune system so that it can fight disease. And um, we do know that vaccines are designed to prevent disease rather than treat a disease once it's been caught. So in a nutshell, that's what that's what it is. 
Brilliant. Uh, so early last year, talk was that it would possibly take till sort of late 2022 to get a suitable vaccination against COVID-19. How is it that we've got a number of different vaccinations so quickly? And should we be worried about the speed in development and the regulatory approval? Thank you. Um, so I think it's important to, to be really clear that there is no need to worry about the speed at which these vaccines have been developed or approved. So all medicines, including vaccines, are highly regulated, and this is no different for the approved COVID-19 vaccines. There have been a, a number of different factors that have made the speed of the development of these vaccines possible. Uh, these include things like the different phases of the clinical trials were designed to overlap instead of running sequentially. Uh, there was a, a rolling assessment of the data from the clinical trials. So data was given to the experts at MHRA as soon as it became available so that they could review the information as the trials were being delivered, ask any questions along the way and request any information as needed, as opposed to, to waiting until the end of the trial to, to get all of the information. And also uh, the clinical trials were able to recruit people very quickly. The global effort meant that thousands of people were willing to volunteer to be part of these trials. And over a very short space of time, clinical trials were able to recruit over 44,000 people people across the world. Yeah, it's just been such an amazing job, hasn't it, to get, to get it done so speedily and obviously just such a, a, an amazing undertaking. Now, obviously, we've got a fair few uh, million people in the UK that now uh, we need to get uh, vaccinated. Uh, how have the decisions been taken on who should get the vaccination and in what priority order? Thanks. So these decisions are made by JCVI which is an independent expert advisory committee that advises the UK health departments on immunisation. And there's a lot of information published about the rationale for their decision making on the government's website. But broadly, these decisions are based on an approach that saves as many lives as possible by vaccinating those who are at most risk of becoming seriously unwell first, as well as health and social care staff. And using this approach, uh, JCVI has started off priorities based on age and also based on those with underlying health conditions that make them more vulnerable to COVID-19. Brilliant. Now, now, Emma, I want to turn to you now. So we've heard about how the JCVI have worked out in what order people should get vaccinated. What part of the list are people on who have severe mental illness and why are they there? Okay, so um, people with a diagnosis of severe mental illness are in group six, which is the current one at the moment. It started in February. Um, and anyone over the age of um, 65 should have already received it in the previous um, bands. Um, so the main focus is anyone with a severe mental illness under 65, all those that hadn't yet received it. Um, the reason is um, that evidence, particularly among those um, who have a psychosis, um, have a higher mortality rate of three times the general population from COVID. Um, based on this evidence, um, they've been included. Um, however, we also know that people with severe mental illness all too often have comorbidities um, and their physical health can often be worse and early mortality. So based on this, um, they're included within um, the band six. Um, following talks that we had with NHS England and PHE, Equally Well actually did a resource um, for people with a severe mental illness and their carers as well, just on what to expect for the um, COVID vaccination uh, to help them, which is we've received a number of different uh, calls and emails on that. 
Lillian. And yeah, your guide's really helpful. And I know we uh, advertised it to MHNA members. Uh, and we'd certainly encourage anyone watching today to, to pop along to the Equally Well uh, website and, and download a copy. So that, that's brilliant. Now, Marsha, and uh, if, if you've joined Nikita, uh, just a, a question to you guys now. Uh, I know you both had your first of the two doses of the COVID-19 vaccination. I just wondered if you could talk us through how you were contacted and the booking process uh, and how the first appointments went. I um, was sent um, a letter saying about being in group six, um, but in the same time, my community mental health nurse contacted my name GP um, and the GP who, like I say, is named, so he knows that I had um, chronic fatigue, asthma, type 2 diabetes. I also had um, right ventricular tachycardia a few years ago, which then meant I had an ab catheter ablation um, and the dreaded O word. I was uh, the label of obesity um, and also my um, mental ill health. So um, I was brought in a few weeks earlier than um, than those in the um, group six. And I felt a little bit of a guilt. Um, I remember saying this to Nikita and that the other day, that I felt quite guilty about why were other people with the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as EUPD. Um, there sort of, there was a, a point where it wasn't within, you know, it wasn't recognized within SMI. And I know that the Center for Mental Health and others did quite a bit behind the scenes, um, which I'm really thankful for. But at the time I did feel like, well, surely someone's more deserving, but I guess that's just me as a person thinking that, you know, cause there's so many that need it, isn't there? So I guess that was, yeah, sorry if I'm waffling. <laughs> No, no, absolutely. And, and I think the point of guilt, I don't know if any other on the panel want to think about this later, but, you know, having spoken to lots of people, you know, working at a vaccination centre, uh, you know, people kind of saying, oh, I didn't know whether I should wait to have my appointment because I think other people need to have it first. But I think it's just really important that, you know, people when they're asked to to get in touch, to get in touch and not kind of worry about that. But, you know, you know sort of thanks for sharing that. Uh, Nikita, are you, are you on the line? No, I, I don't think she's there. So uh, we'll just carry on with you, Marcia. So in terms of uh, you having that first vaccination, how did the appointment itself go? It was so smooth and um, the way it was almost regimental, you know, you go, go, go. Um, and... Um, I remember before the call, before the um, appointment, my CPN had found out if my son could get it as well at the same time as he was my carer. So he was initially told, yeah, and then for some reason, no. And then when we was at the appointment, someone shouted, does anyone have a carer? Um, so I put my hand up and then my son was got a text or a call and was in within an hour um, having his jab. And I remember while well, we had to go and wait, or I had to go and wait outside, you know, for those 15 minutes. 
there was this one woman who was so caring. Um, you know, she was one of the volunteers or that. And it was just her kindness that was, I'll never forget that. And everyone that, everyone that um, spends, um, sorry, everyone that gives their time, like people like yourselves and that, um, outside your normal day job and that, I really, really appreciate it because you already have so much on. Um, so yeah, you're just angels. Oh, thank you. That's that's really kind of you to say that. I, I, I think you know, having been working at a vaccination centre a few days a week, it's it's a really privileged place to be. You know, it's it's really nice to be a part of it, uh, and especially seeing all, all the people coming in and and kind of having the vaccination and you know the, the the sort of gratitude that's there. But knowing that everyone that does it is playing you know a small part in in, in making you know such a such a big improvement from for the country. Uh, so in terms of that that first vaccination, did you find that you had any side effects afterwards? Um, so one of the things I can definitely suggest is don't lay on your arm. <laughs> my friend told me that. And stupidly, I lay on my arm. Um, so it really hurt for a few days after. Um, I had achy body and very fatigued um, the day after. But I put it down to my fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. Whereas I spoke to my CPN and he's like, oh, that would be an after effect um, of, of the vaccination. I had the um, Pfizer one um, and yeah, I, I just take my hats off to the people that invented it and from there on everyone else. Um, yeah, you've given me what well, I feel like having the, the jab is giving me hope. Um, I can actually see myself getting out the house and going meeting friends and stuff like that. So I just really encourage others um, to please go and have it. That's brilliant. Thanks. Now, now Nikki, I, I hope you don't mind me saying that. I know you're an AstraZeneca uh, user. Uh, how did that go for you? I don't think anyone has ever described me as that before, but thank you very much. Yeah, I did. I had my jab on, which we're not supposed to call a jab, by the way. So stop saying that, Nikki. <laughs> I, I had my injection on last Thursday um, and I did feel pretty nauseous afterwards, which I hadn't properly looked into. So I wasn't completely expecting it. On the other hand, I have had friends and colleagues who've been really, really, really unwell. And I know people who have died. So I feel so incredibly grateful and lucky that people took the time to, you know, deliver that that injection as quickly as possible. And I had no problems actually getting booked in, no problems waiting, other than a bit of soreness, which is a very small price to pay. I've got, got no complaints, just thanks, really. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm a Pfizer user, so uh, I, I didn't have any uh, side effects after my vaccine, which I was quite surprised at, really, because, uh, you know, if, if there's a side effect going, then I'd, I'd, I'd happily have it. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I was absolutely fine. Uh, I don't know, Shona and, uh, and Ethel, I, have you got any comments on the side effects of what we're describing today, sort of usual or, or not? Yeah. Um, so uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for um, for for sharing that, um, Marsha. You know, it was really just so authentic and um, 
and, and refreshing to just hear from you. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, so some of the side effects um, that people have re have 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 um, stated are things like soreness, which is what Marsh has also said, soreness on the site where you've had um, the injection. And also some people report a high temperature and feeling tired and fatigued. And usually these symptoms don't last longer than 72 hours. So people take, you know, have a good rest or take some painkillers to just manage that, that pain that they're having. So those are the type of side effects um, that people have have reported. Um, Shona, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Uh, thanks, Ethel. Just to, to say that some people do experience side effects, but most are very mild and, and short-lived. And um, sometimes you can think of it as that these side effects are, are showing that your body is making an immune response to the vaccine. So in a way, they're kind of showing you that the, the vaccine is working. Um, but if you do get any side effects, um, as Ethel said, that um, taking painkillers and resting, and, and they should resolve within a few days. Um, and you can always contact a trusted healthcare professional if you're worried. Shona, just on that, is it is it important to say that for anyone that doesn't have any side effects, and that's not a bad sign that you know it's it's not saying that it's not been done properly or something? Yes, yeah, so only a, a small proportion of people experience side effects, um, and so it's completely fine whether you do or don't experience them. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, I suppose the other thing to say as well is that the vaccination is given in a healthcare setting, isn't it? And I, I know it, at Manchester we're fully set up for you know any problems that people might have, uh, you know, after any immunization so you know in the exceptionally rare case that there was any problems then it's fully staffed with you know really well-trained health professionals uh, and you know i've been working at the manchester site for many many weeks and we've we've had you know uh, some people that have maybe fainted after the, the jab but nothing more serious than that uh, and obviously you know they've all left afterwards you know with a full bill of clean health really uh, so coming back to you now, Marsha, obviously you've had your first vaccination. Have you got any advice for people that are listening in that are providing vaccinations or anyone that is going for their first vaccination in terms of uh, how the experience could go more smoothly? So I know, for example, you said don't don't lie on it, but have you got any other kind of tips and hints in terms of how we can make the vaccination process a better one? Um, firstly, um, a few weeks last week, so I had mine three weeks ago, Saturday just gone. And then on Saturday, I woke up and I was feeling my whole body was itching, itching, itching. So straight away, you think, oh, is that because of, you know, but I believe that that's, it's that it only, you only have a reaction, don't you, within the first few days, but straight away, you sort of think, oh, you know, with all the negative all the misinformation on the news and everything um so so there was that um and and then um i wouldn't change anything about how it was done on the day because i couldn't fault it in any way um the whole process um and um i wish all our nhs could be like that every day <laughs> um <laughs> it was just so meticulous the way that they did it and people were genuinely friendly um and you could fear that you could feel that um i would also say to people listening in please check repute reputable um sites like um nhs like equally well 
um, where they will give you proper information. Please don't pay attention to what's on the news and because in my in my opinion, it's quite scary. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if you sort of agree as well that the scariness then feeds on, doesn't it, to more and more fear. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose, have you got any advice in terms of people that maybe might need uh, some sort of, sort of things to help them get through the vaccination progress, the process? And I suppose Emma might want to jump in here as well in terms of, you know, kind of reasonable adjustments that people can make. Just as an example myself, I know when I went for my vaccination, I, I do have a bit of a, a fear of needles. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give them and draw them up, but I'm not a fan of having them myself. And, and I just kind of said, you know, when I went through, you know, could they just make sure that they did it while I was sat down and, you know, just just kind of asked for a few things to be a bit different for mine. Uh, have you got any suggestions, Emma or Marsha, of kind of other things that people might want to consider? I know um, that, especially on Twitter, you see, um, and people are really worried that if they go and they have to expose their, their arms where they've self-harmed um, and the people's reaction but um there's been a lot of comments how it you know people were not judged in any way or that and i think someone even said do you want me to try on the other arm um so that's something that i'd really like you to sort of bear in mind um and and uh, the person also then said well Will it hurt more, after, you know, because of all the scarring and that, you know, so people are actually really thinking about these things. So, um, yeah, just about people not being judgmental. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I know in terms of our centre, we have screens available and, you know, people will ask to use the screens. So, you know, they've got a bit more of a private space where the vaccination is done and, and absolutely encourage anyone that wants to, you know, ask for that, that, that you know, absolutely do. Emma, have you got any sort of uh, suggestions on things that people could ask for? Yeah, so um, just to say, it's suddenly very sunny where I am, which is brilliant, but um, apologies for squinting. Um, we've had uh, mixed reviews from people. So um, the majority of people have said they've had really good experiences and they've been supported. But we've had one or two other people that have shared that they didn't know why they were booked in for their um, vaccination. And it caused sort of confusion. And they also felt guilty to others that weren't able to have it with the same diagnosis as them. Um, and then we've also got one or two people that have shared that there wasn't any flexibility in terms of their when they could go so one person who's a mum had to go on a um, Sunday evening um, as a single mum with her children um, and it was around the time that they would normally be having tea like their dinner um, and so that was a bit of a tricky one um, instead of being given an appointment that was in the day when her children would be um, elsewhere so I think it was just that thing of being mindful um, about maybe seeing if possible to be flexible and um, we've also heard from one or two others that um, especially if you've got dyslexia or something filling out a form I know that some centres have forms and some don't um, can be quite tricky and um, mm. one of our expert by experience members he shared that he actually took the pregnancy box um, without quite realising and then a nurse was really supportive and then helped him with the 
um, form. We've heard of other people that have got um, physical health problems as well. And they've had to wait in queues um, and not been given a seat or something or anxieties. And there's one or two other people that have said that they can't wear a mask and they've been told they have to in order to go in. Um, but due to different um, conditions, they're not able to wear a mask. So I think it's just bearing in mind that not everyone's the same. Not everyone can wear a mask and not everyone can stand for long periods or some people, like you say, um, have phobias of needles. So I think it's just factoring that in. I do understand, however, how busy everyone is at the vaccine centres um, and GPs, but it's just maybe taking that little bit extra time to support the person. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame to hear about the bad experiences because I know sort of having witnessed the, the, the centre that I work at that we would really hope that we kind of accommodate all the kind of issues that you raised there. You know, having people, we've got lots of volunteers that, you know, are, are up for having conversations about stuff like that. And, you know, if, if at the front of the centre, you know, someone kind of says, oh, I just need this extra support, uh, you know, volunteers will kind of follow them through the whole process. You know, wheelchairs available for those that that can't stand for long periods of time. Uh, you know that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's such a shame that that not everyone gets that 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 experience because that's that's what they deserve, isn't it? So, I don't know if, if there's any sort of comments that uh, Ethel or uh, Shona wants to to make on anything that we've just been talking about in terms of reasonable adjustments. Yeah, um, first of all, just want to say many thanks to you, Emma, um, for just giving that feedback there with regards to reasonable adjustments. And as a program, we're absolutely prioritizing um, making sure that the everyone has equitable access to the vaccine and that we're making the reasonable adjustments that we need to. So hearing feedback is, um, is really, really important to us because obviously in the program, we're evolving, you know, as, as the program um, moves along really rapidly. But it's something that's certainly in the priority of, um, of our list of things to do. So thank you very much for that feedback. And um, yeah, we're certainly taking that on board. Uh, Shona, I don't know if you've got anything else to add to that. Thank you. Uh, yes, I, I guess just to, to um, echo what, what everyone said and, and thank you for the, the feedback and um, uh, I guess as well, uh, it, it might be uh, valuable uh, for, for people to uh, uh, contact the, or to ask for any adjustments that they might need when they're contacted to, to make the appointment. So um, if uh, you uh, would like a, a longer appointment time or, or one later on in the day or if um, it might be helpful to have somewhere or quiet to sit while you wait for your appointment, things like that, um, are all uh, adjustments that, that can be made. Um, and as Ethel said, uh, it's really important that we um, are as flexible and as adaptable as possible to try and support as many people who would like the vaccine to, to take one up as possible. Brilliant. Now, Emma, I wanted to come over to you about the issue of uh, SMI, uh, severe mental illness and the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, the JCVI have defined uh, SMI as individuals with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or any mental illness that causes severe functional impairment. Have you got a few thoughts on, on what that means? Um, very good question. Uh, so um, when we heard that uh, people with severe mental illness were being included in the uh, band six, we were absolutely delighted. Um, and there was that sort of debate slightly on whether or not to challenge it slightly and ask more questions around the severe functional impairment. 
However, having spoken to NHS England, um, they've said that they're encouraging GPs to be open minded when it comes to the vaccines um, for people's severe mental illness. So this also includes if you've got an eating disorder or borderline personality disorder as well. Um, so we felt quite relieved with that. We have had quite a few people, though, however, especially since um, I put out the Equally Well resource that have had um, mixed experiences. So we've heard of some people with an eating disorder that have been um, given the vaccine with no problem and it's been really great. And then others that have called their GP and they've been told that they have to wait for their age group. Um, from the sort of discussions that I've had personally, um, I've quite often shared with them some of the different evidence. So the Equally Well Guide, there's a blog now that's come out from NHS England. Um, and uh, there's also a few other things that have been put out there. And I'm working with PHE on a video that should be uh, out soon. It's just waiting for final sign off. Um, and so sharing some of the evidence, um, some of the people have then gone back to their GP surgeries with these um, evidence and then been booked in for a vaccine um, or on occasion being told they still have to wait. So I think there's a little bit of um, mixed experiences for people out there. Um, hopefully now that the blog went out yesterday, that might encourage GPs more to um, accept anyone with a severe mental illness because I understand some of them weren't entirely sure before. So it's it's been, uh, I think the way that we've put the vaccine out so quickly has been brilliant, but obviously there's a lot for GPs to uh, take in. So um, it's just one of those things on the messaging to be uh, that anyone with severe mental illness um, to be able to receive it. And I think we're just really pleased that NHS England have been vocal in the fact that um, GP surgery should be open-minded. Yeah, and, uh, this isn't official NHS England advice, but it might be worth anyone that is having problems to tweet Claire Murdoch, because she's quite good at tweeting back and maybe taking that tweet to the GP and saying, you know, look, the, the lead for mental health in NHS England is saying this, so uh, surely, you know, you must agree with her. Uh, but like I said, that's not official. Uh, Ethel and Shona, have you got any maybe more official advice in terms of if people are having problems getting access through the SMI? Thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, um, just uh, the, the main thing I would say suggest is um, encouraging people to speak to their GP or to their mental health team if, if they uh, have one. And um, uh, GPs, as, as has been said, are encouraged to, to keep prioritising people with mental illness and to apply a, a flexible approach to defining SMI has been that's been discussed. Um, it's also important to note that the NHS is working closely with secondary care mental health services um, and encouraging secondary uh, uh, care mental health services to review caseloads to identify people who uh, maybe uh, might struggle to respond to a GP invitation letter, for example, and um, also uh, to ask uh, individuals at uh, secondary care appointments about the the vaccine and whether or not they've managed to access it um, and also provide any information or support that's required. Brilliant. So, Emma, uh, what's the situation for unpaid carers? Um, very good question again. Uh, that one, um, it's a little bit of a mixed bag again. Um, we've heard, um, this is mainly from colleagues at Rethink who are partners of um, Equally Well, 
that um, mechanisms for carers to be registered um, at GP surgeries differ. Um, and they've been hearing quite a lot on um, how not everyone has been contacted or some carers um, haven't been able to receive the vaccine um, yet. So um, what we're trying to say, like share as much as possible is just to share that um, carers are entitled to it. Um, and hopefully GP surgeries will be open-minded on that. Um, I've spoken to one or two carers um, who didn't actually know that they would be entitled. Um, so based on that, um, they've gone to their GP and um, been able to book in for the vaccine. So I think it's quite important that carers are kept in the loop on this one. Yeah, and I know it was good to hear before when Marcia mentioned that her carer did get their vaccine. It sounded a little bit of a fluke, but obviously, hopefully for, for many more people, it'll be a, a much better kind of process uh, that they go through. Uh, Emma, I know we were hoping to have someone from Rethink today, uh, but they're not able to join. Uh, and I was quite keen to hear about the, the, the research that they did in terms of uh, people with SMI and the COVID-19 vaccination. So I think you've been primed to give us a few kind of thoughts and feedback from the Rethink work. So go for it. Um, yeah, no, I have been. And Gabby, who works on Equally Well with me, um, I work quite closely with her and she led on this piece of work. So I was more than happy to uh, answer on her behalf. Um, so in mid-January, Rethink Mental Illness created a survey online, which was sent out via um, social media through Rethink Mental Illness and lived experience networks, um, as well as NHS England Improvement um, and Equally Well also helped support it. Um, it included a mixture of open-ended and multiple choice questions and was open for two weeks. Um, and it had 390 people with a diagnosis of severe mental illness and carers of people with severe mental illness um, fill in the survey. So just to give you the key headlines, um, three quarters, 75.4% of respondents said they were certed um, or very likely to get the vaccine. Um, recommendations, um, so clear information and communication to people with severe mental illness, NHS guidance to GPs. Sorry, I think I've just read that wrong. So basically what she was saying is they put out recommendations um, that had um, clear guidance and communication to people with a severe mental illness, um, NHS guidance to GPs to be um, as clear as possible and um, active effort and research for um, uh, Bain groups as well. Brilliant, thank you. Now, I suppose one of the questions, again, that I wanted to bring over to Ethel, and actually before that, Nikki, have we had any social media questions come in, or is everyone happy with what we've been saying so far? There's waving and smiling, but no questions yet. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, guys. <laughs> cool. Uh, one of the questions that I did want to ask uh, to uh, Ethel and Shona is a bit about, uh, obviously, some of us on the call today have had our first vaccinations, uh, our second uh, does that mean now that we can rush out, uh, go and, you know, meet with people, do anything that we want, or do we still need to be a bit careful? We, we certainly, just to quickly answer that, um, Dave, we certainly still need to be careful. We still need to maintain all the PP, all the IPC guidance that is out there, i.e. social distancing, wearing of masks, washing of hands, um, absolutely paramount. So, yeah, so that's the, that, that's the message there. So continue, continue with the IPC measures. Thank you. 
yeah, that, that bit about it don't matter if you've had a jab or not, we're following the roadmap. So, you know, we, we can't kind of jump ahead bits uh, on that. Uh, obviously, we're kind of running towards the end of the time today, uh, but I wanted to check whether any colleagues felt that we've missed anything or there's anything that we said today that needs to kind of be clarified or challenged. So uh, I don't know if it's worth, Nikki, have, have you got any thoughts in terms of final wash-up comments? Um, anytime that you are potentially queuing or anything like that for NHS services, take a book or an iPad or your phone with you, something like that. Um, do what I do when anyone comes towards me with an injection, which is to smile at them and then look completely in the other direction until it's finished. <laughs> I give injections, don't like getting them. <laughs> nobody, nobody loves it, but um, it's so, so, so important not to put yourselves and people around you that you love and, and that we're a community at, at risk because we just don't know. So please get information from, from solid sources. Marsha, have you got any final thoughts or anything that we've not covered that you hope to talk about today? Um, just if you get the the date for the vaccination, don't feel guilty that your friend um, a, a mile down the road hasn't been given it or that. Um, yeah, and just be kind to yourself. Brilliant advice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shona, do you want to go next? Have you got any final thoughts to, to wrap up? Thank you. Yeah, just to say that, that we'd obviously encourage all of those who are in priority groups to access vaccination to protect both themselves and the wider community. Um, but would also recognise that there are some individuals or communities who might be worried and, and might want to take a little bit more time to decide. And, and uh, there's a lot of uh, resources out there to support you in making your decision. And you can always speak to, to your GP or another trusted healthcare professional um, if you have questions. Uh, I think it's also important to remember that this is an evergreen offer, that the vaccine is always open to you. So if you have previously refused a vaccine and you change your mind, you can still get one. Um, and I guess the kind of take home message is that these vaccines are safe, they're effective, they save lives and the NHS is here to support you to receive your vaccine should you choose to have one. Brilliant, thank you. Ethel, have you got any further comments? Yeah, um, just want to echo what's already been said and also just to uh, specifically echo what Marsha has said really around getting the proper information good into the right sources and getting because there's a lot out there in social media and everywhere else so just echoing what marcia said with regards to go to the trusted sources i.e public health england nhs england and all the other trusted sources where you can get factual information to make an informed decision and i'm also um really pleased to have been part of this conversation today because i'm also a registered mental health nurse so this is something really close to my heart <laughs> and um and really um thankful for all the feedback that i've heard today because um absolutely we want to ensure that um we make the reasonable adjustments that are necessary for people to be able to access the vaccine and um and to be safe for themselves as well as for the wider uh, community and population. So, so really pleased to have been part of this today. So, thank you. Brilliant. Well, Ethel, it's official that we liked you even more than we did at the start. That you're a mental health nurse. So that's <laughs> that's brilliant. Now, Emma, you get to be the first person with the final thought. So, anything that you want to kind of wrap up with uh, after you know what have been some brilliant messages today. I think more just to echo what everyone else has said. Really, in the fact that I think. Anyone working at the vaccine centres or on COVID wards is doing an absolutely amazing job. Um, I personally am so grateful to have the NHS. 
um, and everyone that's played a part in it. Um, but I think we also just need to make sure that people with severe mental illness um, are supported where possible and that GPs are reaching out to them. We've had all too often that letters quite often won't work, especially if they're in brown envelopes. So um, to try reaching out through a text message or a phone call and use different methods when reaching out a second time to someone with a severe mental illness um, to have their vaccine. Um, and we will just keep helping and supporting uh, where possible. Brilliant. And as always, just thanks to the Centre for Mental Health and Equally Well UK, because you just do such a, a brilliant job uh, with all the work that you, you get involved in. So, you know, thank you from uh, us to you for, for that. Uh, it did remind me of something you've just said, Emma, as well. I just wanted to say before we wrap up, uh, obviously the COVID vaccination is free. So don't, you know, sort of uh, if you get any messages saying that you've got to give bank details or, you know, to pay for it, then that is a, a hope, you know, that's a a fraudulent thing so you know it is is completely free uh right uh so that's it for today's episode thank you so much for the guests that we've had on today you know your time has been absolutely so valuable and i've really enjoyed mm. whilst being a bit nervous sort of leading on on today's episode uh next week next wednesday uh 31st of march my birthday so looking forward to that but also because we've got sam Darney smith on the next MHTV, and she's going to be talking about people who experience homelessness. So if you've not already booked uh, an episode reminder for that session, then please do. But from me, from Nikki, from all our guests today, thank you so much for joining in, and we'll see you next time on MHTV. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.